0: You've probably noticed that there are certain people that seem to leave a distinct impression when you meet them. Their words and their actions carry a weight that propels destiny in their lives and the lives of those around them. And if you've wanted to be that kind of person, then this podcast is for you. Hi, I'm Jeremy and welcome to Refresh, where I love to produce content that will refresh your spirit, refresh your mind and refresh your vision. Today, I want you to meet David and Miha Norton. They are church planters and missionaries based out of Cluj, Romania. These are two people that I count as a privilege to call my friends. They are the real deal. They have given their lives to working in Eastern Europe, Asia, and God is just starting to open doors for them in Africa. They are an amazing couple who will inspire you to step out in faith and take hold of the destiny that God has for you. Let's get right to our talk. Today, I am really excited to have here with me David and Miha Norton from Clujer Mania. This is so awesome because I haven't got to spend time with them for a long time. So I'm really excited to have them here and uh, just want to welcome you. I thought just to start off, I would just give you kind of a lightning round of quick questions. Uh, Just this five so that we're not too long, but so people get to know you a little bit. Okay. You guys ready for it? Yes. Yes. Okay. So here we go. First of all, coffee. Black or with cream?
1: Specialty coffee. (laughs) I can go either way.
0: You can go either way. I
1: really like my flat white in the
0: mornings. (laughs)
1: And I'm learning how to do uh, some latte art. Oh, really? So when you come over, we'll be able to do some
0: cool latte art for you. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to it already. (laughs) I like pour over coffee a lot. Like v
2: stick beer, kalita.
0: Interesting. We're kind of coffee snobs. My next question was, pour over or French press?
1: (laughs) Definitely pour Pour over. over. I really like French press when I'm in Vietnam in the morning. Mm -hmm. Somehow Vietnamese fruit, some good French croissant goes very well with some French
0: press. Uh, It sounds like it should, right? Everything's all French. Dogs or cats? cats? Cats. Well... That's hard. You can say both if you want. Both. What is your favorite dessert? Scones. Scones? Or
1: any type of dry dessert, like maybe Victorian sponge or something like that. I really
2: like a good apple or peach pie. Mm. Mm. Yummy. A la mode, if possible.
1: I'm boring, but it goes well with coffee and tea. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. I'm gonna say no. Well, who are we to judge?
0: (laughs) Okay, one more. The place you want to travel to most?
2: I really miss being in Asia. Mm
0: -hmm. Hi,
2: Southeast Asia.
0: Yeah, oh, I, I,
1: nice. I, I love the fact that I was able to go back to Asia this January because I haven't been there in probably seven, eight years. Mm. But I also I think that I would like to go to Russia. Mm. Soon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to go there in April and it got cancelled. Yes. And we were supposed to go to Africa in July and that got
0: cancelled. For, for the
1: first time and it got cancelled. Oh, uh. Oh, but we still have so, so many years ahead of us to be able to travel the world.
0: Definitely. Right now, um, what are you guys doing? What's actually happening um, right now in Romania?
2: We are pastors in Cluj. We have another church we planted in Huaydin, and we go there most weeks. And uh, then we have church here in Cluj, and then we do um, international service also.
0: So are you guys actually able to meet in person or are you guys still doing video stuff right now?
2: Uh, we are able to meet in person.
0: With restrictions,
1: like there are some regulations. That's why we have to have multiple services too, and with some time distance between them and sanitation and so on, you know, but we're following the rules the best that we can and uh, masks, masks. taking people's yeah. temperatures. Off. Yeah. <laughs> all the fun all the fun things, but the fact that we get to Meet is such a blessing and we do a lot of stuff online too mm-hmm. because some of the people are not able to come for different reasons and some of the older people they choose not to come if they have especially health problems so
0: we want to make sure that everybody gets to be connected to church life you know somehow. All right so I just want to go go back and just to, to the very beginning with you guys when did God become more than just a word for you? Me? Go ahead. Okay,
1: so uh, I think it was uh, 1997 when I started to really have times of special encounters with God. My whole life, I was seeking God. Until that point, I was always going to church like every Sunday, but not really having that revelation of how real God is, it was more of a mental picture, mental image or an image that I would see a picture that I would see mm. somewhere but then it really, during a uh, special time in my life, I got to meet the Lord and kind, you know, really the veil was pulled off of my eyes mm. and uh, the God that I was seeking my whole life became real to me so yeah wow. so that was 23 years ago
2: so, yeah for me I, I grew up in a christian household when i was just a very little boy uh, my dad read to all three of us children a book about a woman who died and went to heaven and came back it's called intro it's a great book uh, but she especially described, how heaven will know our loved ones, and uh, just how you can swim and not get wet, and instead of having grass, they have flower petals everywhere, and just the description she had of it, it really put a desire in me to go to heaven. So I started praying every night for a few months that God would allow me to go to heaven. And finally, uh, I got up enough courage to go into my mom's bedroom, and she prayed with me, and peace really came to me, and I knew that I would go to heaven when I die. But also I would say when God really became real to me was during the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Toronto. Mm. My parents started bringing me up there when I was probably around 11 or 12 years old, and we went up a lot during its high time. So that was really a time when God revealed himself to me in special ways.
0: Hey, if you're enjoying this content, Please take a moment to like or let me know what you think in the comments. And if you haven't already subscribed, why not do it now? Now, let's get back to our chat with David and Miha Norton. Obviously, you guys are a great team. I know that because I've worked with you. Uh, but how did you guys actually even meet? Because you you are not from Romania at all, David. I'm uh, uh-uh. and, you. <laughs> you are, Miha, but David isn't. Um, and so, so there must have been something awesome to happen to bring you guys together.
1: The whole Russian bride thing, it did not happen with us. <laughs> 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 so,
0: Go
1: ahead. Uh, David's father, Papa Bill, he used to come to Romania from the early 90s to, uh, as a missionary. And he came to the church where uh, I became a Christian, where I got saved and he was ministering, and I became his translator over time. Uh, and then one day, he brought David with him uh, on that mission trip, so that's how we met. And
2: During that whole time, before we met, he was telling me, oh, there's this great girl in Romania that you need to meet, and he was telling her, oh, my son from America, you really need to meet him, but there's a five-year age difference between us, So at the time, he started telling me that I was 15 and she was 20. So I would be like, I don't want to marry an old woman. And she'd be like, I don't want to get with a little boy. Um, But then when we we met, I was, I think, 18 or 19. And so it was a lot less weird.
0: It was more legal. (laughs) So it was almost a Russian bride thing in reverse. (laughs) There you go.
1: I have not thought
0: of that until now. <laughs> <laughs> what made you decide to become missionaries?
2: Well, when I, even before I was born, my parents always wanted me to be a missionary. So they originally wanted to name me David Brainerd Norton, which I'm glad that they didn't. <laughs> they, instead, they named me David Andrew Norton. Because, you know, kids in middle school can be really cruel And, like, I was just imagining brainy nerd or I don't know. Um, but instead, David Andrew fit a lot better. But then um, when I was about four years old, I think, a man of God came and laid his hand on me and said, you will go to Russia, to Africa, and to India. And But with the, my parents telling me a lot of times, you're going to be a missionary, I reacted to it. And I was like, I don't want to go to the mission field. And I would be happy to just live and die in the United States of America. And I don't understand why everyone's obsessed with missions, missions, missions. And then when I was 14, a prophet by the name of Pete Hazel came to the church that we were a part of. And he prophesied to me in front of my whole youth group. And there's a lot of people there. And he described my personality to a T. Everyone there was laughing. And he started prophesying to me about going to the nations and about getting involved in missions work. And one of my friends who had heard me say before that I'd be happy to live and die in the United States of America came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, David, what did you think about that prophetic word you received? And I had a really humble reaction. I was like, oh, yeah, I knew it all along. (laughs) Um, But soon after that, I went to a youth gathering organized by teen mania called uh, acquire the fire and my youth pastor who's also my pastor's wife told me david why don't you go sign up for a, a missions trip and so i went and signed up to go to china and hong kong i went when i was 15 years old and the only way that i can describe it is like some people when they go on the mission field get homesick for me, when I went back home, I got mission sick. Like, I would usually just cry for three days after getting home because I just wanted to get back out there again. It was like I fell in love with it. And I knew from then, when I was like 15, that I would live on the mission field for the rest of my life. That's awesome.
1: So, for me, I know that right now I'm living in Romania where I was born and raised, but I traveled to many different countries to do ministry work. But I, after I became a Christian, I uh, started praying for other nations, other countries, especially those that were still under communism in the world. I had a burden for ch- churches and nations, especially in Eastern Europe. Mm. And once I went to this children's camp, it was more of a training ground for People that were doing ministry for children, and uh, a man from the United States came and he spoke. He had kids ministry in New York, in this, in there in the city. Bill Wilson, yeah, yeah, Bill Wilson, yeah. Yeah. And he had a message related to vision and your calling. And at the end of it, I still remember the preaching. I still remember everything that happened. It, Everything was so real. And the end, he said, "Well, I want you to pray that the Lord will speak to you about an area, a place, a nation, or a region, or somewhere where He's calling you to, us, and let Him speak to you." So we were a lot of young people there, in different ages, hundreds of people. And while we were all praying, I I started hearing the Lord speaking to me about, like, in a very strong way, about Eastern Europe and other nations. Mm-hmm. And then I received prophetic words after that, including uh, words from a a prophet by the name of Keith Hazel and others (laughs) that uh, spoke into my life about going to the mission field. Mm. But I knew all along that uh, my heart was definitely to be involved in church planting in Romania, but
0: not only in other nations, too. You grew up. in a country that was restricted when it comes to Christianity. What was that like? Because you said that you were always seeking God, but how how was that in a a place where it was difficult to do so?
1: My family was maybe a little bit more unusual uh, because my mom was uh, a woman that loved God and loved the church and loved to pray, and so was my grandmother. And they brought me to church from when I was you know, a baby and then every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a lot of pressure on my mom, especially because she was an accountant for a state company, a big state company at the time. So there was a lot of pressure for her about church life. Mm-hmm. But maybe because we were in a village, maybe it was just God. She uh, made up her mind that no matter what, she would continue to go to church. So she went to church, but you could see the atmosphere was a lot of fear about talking uh, anything related to God, you know, like for mm-hmm. Christmas celebration, I still remember that we would say poems and songs about the Communist Party and the president of the nation and not nothing related to Jesus or carols and I remember because I was twelve years old in December when communism fell, when we heard on TV carols, mm. and it was, uh, some I mean, people would just kneel down and pray and weep, and it, it was a very special time. Definitely, the restrictions were very strong and hard for people, you know, in Romania for Christians in Romania during that time, and many paid a high, you know, heavy price for that. But for uh, us, being in a village in a smaller community, uh, there are
0: times when I can say that it was easier than other people in the city. How has Romania changed since you guys even started planting the church there?
2: Well, it changed a lot starting in 2007 when the uh, Romania joined the European Union. that uh, there, there started to be a lot of change in infrastructure, like, when I, when I first came here, there was uh, two grocery stores in our city, big grocery stores. One was inside the city, one was on the outside edge of the city. Now there are so many. I mean, I don't even know how many big supermarkets there are, over 20-something in our city. Um, two big shopping malls, one on each side of the city, plus a lot of mini malls, The the roads have developed a lot, even in the village that Miha's from, they've paved most of the roads that are there. They're uh, bringing septic. So it's speaking just from a natural perspective has developed and and changed so much. Uh, In recent years, there's been a lot of also European influence as far. Romania used to be a lot more um, conservative in its values, um, but there, there's been a lot of more progressive type of uh, agendas being pushed from Europe, I believe. Like they they give a lot of money and stuff to to Romania, but it it comes with a lot of influence.
1: A lot of strings attached in many ways. Yeah. Yes. But uh, we've seen recently like more freedom. There's less of the fear that used to be here about, you know, your faith, about being different than other people. So there is more freedom. You can sense it in the atmosphere, in the nation, in the city, even preaching the gospel.
2: It it used to be that whenever you tell somebody that you're a pastor or talk about going to church, the, the first question they'd always ask you is, what religion are you? Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that was some leftover from the communism because in communism, they wanted everyone to be the same. Right. So they had a lot of fear sown about any other um, denominations. But now you, you find a, a lot less of that, a lot more openness to people who aren't just yes. part of the um, Orthodox uh, faith, who are from uh, other churches. Uh, p- people, I, I would say, are a lot more open than they used to be.
0: Has there been spiritual change as well?
2: I hear a lot from people who like come from outside to minister here that they just feel a lot more freedom than there used to be and and i I can definitely say that you can just arriving in our city includes there's a lot of a, kind of a lighter atmosphere than there used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as just reaching out to people, sharing the gospel with people, um f- From our perspective i'd say it's a lot a lot more openness than it used to be to mm. so even be able to evangelize and do things like that
1: and there's a lot more opportunities for people, like when they graduate college, they can find good jobs better paid, so they can get a mortgage for a house and move into their own properties you know so it's a lot of good things happening I think. And like our
2: church financially also can stand on its own feet now compared to how when we first started out there's been a lot of economic development too in the the country. We used to um, receive help but now we're able to give a lot of money to to missions as a church and to Able to, so the work's going on in different countries, so that's that's really that's a big change,
1: big, that's, like, a, yeah. Advice. Big difference here in Romania, you know. It's, I mean, you know, you've come here for many years, and your father to uh, Romanian churches were weak financially, and there's a lot of corruption in the country mm-hmm. when it comes to finances and also in church life. But the new generation, there's a lot of young people that. Have stood up against corruption, so they are more. They have stronger values when it comes to that, Mm. which is to me interesting because, like when I, when we grew up, when I was growing up, we had strong values, strong principles, but somehow, uh, stealing and lying was not part of that. You know, it was kind of accepted. Mm. I think it was a survival mentality for communism for people to be able to survive, but now uh, honesty, integrity, and working you know, pro- professionally is valued, so I think that there's a big change in the country.
2: Even in recent years there was some big demonstrations, protests against corruption with hundreds of thousands of people marching out on, on the streets, so th- th- there, there has been definite change in yeah. that area, I would say for the better.
0: What role has prayer played in your ministry?
1: Well, we we started uh, our church basically as a prayer meeting. And it was me, David, and another missionary lady from the States by the name of Susie Benforado, And the three of us, because when we came from the after we got married, we went to the States for a while, and then we came back to Romania so when we came back to Romania we stayed with our friend Susie in her apartment somewhere in Cluj and we started praying together so for about two months we were praying every single day I think together the three of us about the work that God wanted to do in Cluj so I think that from the beginning I start with that prayer was what gave birth to the work and to the church Antioch church in Romania in
2: Cluj and uh, I, I was thinking how one time we went and visited Miha's sister who, who lives in the States. Uh, her name's Adela. And she, uh, at the time, was uh, a sister in the Catholic Church. Mm. So uh, I didn't know this, but there's a difference between uh, nuns and sisters. <laughs> so nuns are more cloistered, and they uh, stay more to themselves they live in fasting and prayer and communion with God. And the sisters are plain clothes. They're out in the community. They're doing things for social justice and education and working with, with people. One of the sisters told me that the nuns, that the way that they see that is that they are like this invisible foundation that holds up the whole church. Wow what they do in fasting and prayer and communion with God. And um, that made me think a lot, just how prayer is like the the motor behind everything we're doing. Like it, it maybe is more of an unseen thing, but it, it is an essential part, support to everything, every other ministry that we're involved in and doing. When I, I first went as a missionary, I was 19. I, I lived in Russia for a few years And during that time, I went on a trip with um, four Russians, I believe it was, to Tajikistan. So while we were in Tajikistan, we had the opportunity to visit a church that was planted by Korean missionaries. Mm -hmm. And when we went to visit this church in Tajikistan, we walked through the doors and we, we started going down, they let us into their basement of their building and There's probably about 50 people gathered, all kneeling down, all praying loudly to the Lord. And when you walked in, you just felt a sense of holiness, the presence of God that was there. They they told me this is one of five prayer meetings that we have every single day, and it it was mind blowing for me. You know, I I was just like probably 20 years old at the time, Uh, just to see that example of, of how the Koreans go and plant churches, but we've really endeavored from the beginning of our church and ministry to have that as like the foundation, the driving force behind everything else that we're doing.
1: It uh, is the place where we wait and we wait for the Lord to speak to us like when it comes to decisions and steps that we need to take related to ministry about situations, you know, with people, problems that they are dealing with. Basically, um, it it is, um, it really is for us that place, I think it was saying, the engine behind everything that we are doing. Like even during this pandemic, because you were talking about how it affects our ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, when everything started happening, Uh, We had uh, a women conference here in Romania because the 8th of March, you know, is the uh, International Women's Day. And with every single year for the last five years, I think we've had that women conference. So we had Pastor Sue from Cambodia. She was visiting and ministering with us. So the 8th of March was the last Sunday that we had a church meeting. And after that, we had to stop for a while because of the pandemic. But Right after we started praying, okay, the, Lord, what are the ways and the steps that we're supposed to be taking now? How to help bring the church to safe grounds, to good pastures during this time, you know, to manage everything, to take care of the people. So in prayer, we received a lot of the ideas, the, you know, different people to take different responsibilities. Okay, we were supposed to. Have this person involved there. We're supposed to um, call this person. E- everything was coming out from that special time of prayer that we mm-hmm. had. And then the discussions that we have together as pastors with Pastor Bogdan, you know, about uh, the decisions that we were going to make.
2: And uh, like every Wednesday, we, from the time that, the, uh, that we went into lockdown, We had a day of fasting and prayer for the whole church where we could just stay unified in that way, even though people were in their houses, but you have to keep a sense of unity. And another thing I was thinking about was a quote by John G. Lake that he said, read the Bible on your knees. So even like the way that we would prepare messages or, um, receive revelation from the word is always in that place of prayer. So I think we, we endeavor whenever it comes time for us to preach, to really bathe those messages in prayer. Mm. And I, I, I think if you hear somebody preaching a lot of times, you can feel if they have a prayer life or not, because mm. you can feel another authority behind another release of life it comes from their prayer life.
1: I remember a prayer meeting in Russia many years ago. I was there because your father was ministering, doing different conferences all over Russia. And uh, we are in the hotel room, a bunch of us, praying, all of us together. So we're all praying in other tongues. And you know how your dad, the freedom in prayer and everything. It was so entertaining and so much fun. I, you can never get bored or think oh no I have to pray because everything was so exciting <laughs> from the way that he would pray to whatever he would start prophesying and say and, and then something that you know would catch your eye like your spiritual eye you know immediately like you'd feel uh, a word of knowledge or something for that evening when you'd go to minister and we'd all share things that we were feeling but he and this was before the oil boom in Russia. He started prophesying right there in the prayer meeting, as we were all praying, about all of the oil that is going to be found in Russia and about churches that need to step up and people to get involved in that because God wants to bless the Russian churches. I will never forget that moment. I was still, we were talking recently to some pastors from Russia and we were sharing about that moment with with the pastors and I I was like, I realized then how the Lord speaks in prayer ideas, uh, prophetic words, next steps, things that are going to happen and then of course we all have the option, you know, to be those that hear only or those that hear and apply.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. Now, I know that you guys have been to some really spiritually dark places, and you go back. When you're in spiritually dark places, often there's a real challenge that actually uh, comes to you. And I- I'd be interesting just to hear uh, what maybe one of your hardest challenges were and how that prayer was involved in working through that.
1: I think for me, it the hardest challenge was uh, being in Vietnam, in Hanoi, uh, when I landed in Hanoi, it felt and looked like communism in Romania. So all of a sudden, I I felt fear, like anxiety, panic, and like I couldn't breathe. I started feeling sick, like I got all feverish and like not even able to talk, and, and I'm not the type of person that has panic attacks to just <laughs> put it plainly I, I don't normally freak out about things but it was just the uh, resemblance between everything so i went uh, we went to the hotel where we were staying and i was lying in bed and praying and i was praying and praying i was like this is not normal this is something and i could feel the heaviness and uh, the oppression it, it was very real. It was as real as our conversation is right now. It was very real to me. And then David's father came together with David because David went to get him. And they all started praying in the room. And uh, then he started telling me, how this is not just something natural. And I said, I know this is a spiritual attack mm-hmm. from the enemy. And I can sense it. I I know what it is. And he started praying. And as we were all three of us praying right there, everything lifted and changed. So the whole atmosphere changed just as we were praying. And I mean, those spirits were still there. The apartment buildings looked exactly the same. So the circumstances did not change. But the way that I acted and how I was feeling and how I was dealing with everything, it changed completely. So that's one example for me that I can think of when being on the mission field, prayer made the biggest difference.
2: One one key is is what you said, is we keep going back Mm -hmm. to the same places. So when, when you are in relationship with people for 10, 15 years and you keep going back you're able to build also with them in time. So there's some places like in the Himalayas where we go, where there's years when we show up and it seems like the leadership are almost on life support. Like they're just barely holding on by a thread that they just come and start talking to us about all these crazy attacks and problems they've had with people. And, and to be able to come in from the outside and just strengthen them and speak into that situation. And like uh, last time when I was in the Himalayas at one place, they told me about how they had um, this family in the church that was sowing all kinds of division and talking against them as pastors. And and so th- the message that we talked about a lot while we were there were from the story of Elijah and Jezebel, and they're very applicable to the current situation in that church at the time. And they said after that, the whole situation with that family turned around completely and there came peace into the church again. Uh, I, I just remember like sometimes going in um, some of those remote areas in the Himalayas to minister. We would be on like the back of an SUV, uh, open air, and holding on, you know, as we're going on these bumpy, mountain roads to the meeting sometimes for an hour and a half or more one way to the meeting and i would just put on my headphones and just be praying the whole way there and i saw that some of the younger teammates who were with us after a while seeing me do that i would look over and i'd see they had their headphones on (laughs) also and they were also you know just praying in the spirit while we were on the way there and that was also something i learned from your dad is about Mm -hmm. he said Whenever I would go to minister prophetically somewhere, I would always want to pray at least an hour in the Spirit before I go there. Because when I pray in the Spirit, it releases prophetic words into my spirit. Hmm. So that preparation and prayers is really important. And also, especially in going to those very dark areas, I almost always try to make it a priority to start by talking there about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Interesting. Because there comes so many people from so many different walks of life to try to minister to them without having that foundation first The baptism in the Holy Spirit is really difficult. So that that just laying that foundation first makes any other ministry that you do so much easier.
0: We have seasons where when we pray, there's, it's easier. Yeah. And then sometimes it's a real struggle to pray. And sometimes we feel like giving up. What would you say to somebody who right now is walking through one of those those times where they're kind of struggling and saying, I, I'm not sure about this. I, maybe I should just give up.
1: I remember when I first became a Christian that I, I had such a grace to pray for hours every single day. And I would pray and pray and and then I went to a home group meeting, and uh, somebody asked us, okay, so how is your prayer life, and everybody started sharing about their prayer life, you know, someone said once a week, someone said 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, you know, and the whole time I'm thinking, you know, in a very judgmental way, oh man, these people are terrible sinners, and, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, if they, there came my turn, and I said, well, I, I pray two hours a day. That, that's my starting point. And I, I still go to college, and I have a full-time job, and I still do ministry. I don't understand why you guys aren't doing this. So, and then uh, uh, it took my friend, Susie Benforado, that later on helped us, you know, during when we started the church, to talk to me more about the grace of God <laughs> and how we have different graces. And... Uh, for me not to be judgmental <laughs> mm-hmm. and understand people's uh, different walks in life and different gifts and different strengths. I think when it comes to prayer, uh, one of the things that I mentioned that I learned from your dad is that it should never be boring, uh, that we should keep it diverse and keep it real and keep it simple. And sometimes you have to fan the flame and sometimes it has to be disciplined, just Uh, pure discipline but like you know when you brush your teeth in the evening there are times when you're too exhausted and you think oh man I should not brush my teeth but then then you think of the dentist and having to go to the dentist and like it's better to brush my teeth than go to the dentist (laughs) or uh, you know so it's like taking a shower in the morning and putting on your clothes it has to also be part of our routine in some way to, to make it a part of our routine, even though it should not be too familiar, but still fresh in our lives. Mm. Just like, you know, you don't wear the same clothes every single day uh, for a whole month. Uh, you you change a little bit, but I think that uh, it should be our daily bread. It should be our uh, spiritual bread. Something mm. that we realize, okay, I need to eat. I, I don't, I never... Understood the people that say I forgot to eat today because it's like the first thing that I think of when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Where's my food? And but uh, so it's just realizing that how our body needs nutrition and good nutrition. We to be able to be strong and to be able to not faint on the street. You know that yeah. our spiritual man that we don't see with our physical eyes it needs food. It needs to be strengthened. It Mm -hmm. needs the word of God and it needs prayer. And uh, even though we don't see it, it makes our spiritual man stronger every single time when we do that. And that's uh, you know, when we look at people sometimes, you know, we can see okay, a a different type of handicap if they have it, or a different problem if they have it, or somebody is shorter and somebody's you know, taller. But we don't see our spiritual man with our physical eyes. And I think that God wants us to be giants in our spiritual mm-hmm. <laughs> in our spiritual man, no matter how we look on the outside. And that comes with discipline, and it comes with uh, keeping it fresh and always staying connected in prayer in the Word of God.
2: When I was about 16, one day I was praying at my uh, parents' house in California and God spoke to me right when I started, started praying and said, David, you pray in English too much. And I, I didn't understand what, what God was trying to speak to me. It took me about an hour to figure it out. I was just stand, standing there trying to figure out what is he trying to say and it was that he wanted me to pray in the spirit more, to pray in uh, tongues more. So I I started to endeavor to have an increased percentage of my prayer life to be praying in the spirit, and I, I started asking a lot of of men of God, women of God that I would meet, like what percentage of the time would you say that you pray in tongues versus praying in with your understanding in your own personal prayer life? And most of the people that I asked that, like people that I respected, would say. 80 to 90% of the time that they pray in the spirit compared to praying with their understanding. So as I did that, it revolutionized my prayer life and brought so much more life and so much more ability to hear God speaking to me. Uh, So I I encourage people sometimes say, Oh, I feel like my prayer life is boring and um, I don't feel a lot of life in it to increase the percentage of time that they are praying in the spirit, or if they haven't yet received their prayer language, that I'd pray for them to, to receive that also. And it's kind of, I think prayer is kind of like going to the gym. When you start doing it, you can have, you have a lot of like um, sore muscles and uh, it, it for the first week or two that you're going to the gym, it's more painful. But the more that you do it, uh, the easier that it gets some of the time just that initial push of getting started that it's like getting over that first speed bump that that can take more effort but then as you keep going with it or like dieting also when you the first few weeks of dieting can be painful uh, but <laughs> it does get easier as your body adjusts and get gets used to it and another thing I encourage people about regarding their prayer life is the importance of corporate prayer. Like we would have a, at least once a week a prayer meeting at the church, and I would tell people come to that prayer meeting because it's there that you can learn how to pray from people who've already been doing it for a while and have some experience with it. And we also corporately together get a breakthrough at that prayer meeting. That then you can carry with uh, yourself for the rest of, of the week when you're home praying by yourself.
1: So when I was growing up I uh, helped my grandparents on the farm a lot in the village and in springtime and sometimes even in the fall they would already start working the ground and ground breaking with a plow and a horse is not easy. So I, I was doing a lot of that, helping them, you know, working on the farm with the horse and the plow and then planting the seeds. And then you have to work, you know, to help with those plants. And only in the fall, you'd have a harvest. So we have to, I think, realize that um, that God hears us when we pray, even if we don't feel it, even If the answer doesn't come tomorrow, sometimes some prayers get answered later on, but it doesn't mean that God did not hear that one prayer. So I think many times people get discouraged because they don't see answers to their prayers right away. Mm -hmm. And I always think of Daniel in the Bible, you know, when the angel told him from the moment when you prayed, your prayer was heard, but there was some things that happened in the spiritual realm that you did not see Daniel, yes? right. <laughs> but right. that's why it took longer for the answer to come. So I think that one way that we can encourage ourselves, and we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord, like David did in the Bible, we have to do that, uh, is we re- remind ourselves that, okay, God hears me. When I pray, he will answer in the way that he sees it fit and in the right timing, And to put that, to have that trust that me praying develops that connection with God uh, that is, gets the trust, it gets stronger and stronger. My relationship with him becomes stronger. And it does not matter the answers when they come or if they come.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I agree. It's the relationship that's important.
1: (laughs) It's the relationship that's important. Yes.
0: Yes. A lot of times when I'm teaching about prayer, I like to talk about how prayer is creating with God. It's partnering with God to bring something into existence. And so right now, what is on your heart to partner with God to create?
2: Well, we uh, have uh, church buildings that we rent. We have them all the time. But we are believing God for building for the church. That's mm-hmm. definitely one thing. We haven't had children yet. I would definitely like to see us having children.
1: Mm-hmm. I uh, I'm praying a lot about other churches that in other cities that we are going to plant. And for me, when I pray, like when we, I prayed for our house that we. We have right now. I imagine the house. I imagine the bathrooms, the bedrooms, how things would look. You know, the kitchen, the drawers. So when I pray, I I imagine. I allow the Lord to speak into my imagination. Mm. I trust that uh, when I pray, He'll not if for a bread. He'll not give me a stone. So when I pray for Him to speak to me about churches in other cities, that I trust that he really speaks into my imagination, into my thoughts, and I start praying those things, and then, so that's a big thing on my heart right now, and also, one other thing that I'm praying about is uh, creative ways, uh, or maybe new tools of how to do church life during this time, And to do conferences, to do meetings with people, to reach out to people uh, towards, you know, moves of God. But I don't want to be using the tools that, you know, are not functional right now. Mm. Because it's one tool that you use when you plow the ground, and it's another tool that you have to use when you water, and another tool that you have to use when you take the harvest. But it's the same crop. is the same harvest. It's just that you use different tools in different times. So I, I don't want to be stuck to the tools that we use. Uh, I, there are different tools in the scripture that we can use that we have not used. So I want to discover new things that God wants the church to use during this time. So this is one of my main things right now.
0: That's awesome. That is so awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you doing this, and uh, thank you.
1: Thank you for this opportunity and to we, get to see you and talk to you. It, it was just such a joy. You have no idea.
2: And next time we'll have to have you do something virtually for our church in Romania.
0: Yeah, I would love that. And
1: prophesy over about two hundred people. <laughs> I, <have> more.
0: <laughs> I would actually love that. <laughs> We're going to say goodbye for now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you Thank again. Thank you
1: very much. Bye.
0: As you can tell, we really enjoyed our time together. You can also watch this video on YouTube. I will put a link in the description. That's all for today. And until next time, keep looking upwards and keep moving onwards. And I'll see you in the next podcast.